0: Hey, it's Gonzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more, and leave us some feedback. Away we go.
1: Initialize sequence.
0: Welcome to The Baldcast.
1: A production of John Canzano's Baldface Truth.
0: Saturday night as Utah did what Utah does to USC. The Utes beating USC 34-32 on a game-winning walk-off field goal. Here to talk about it, Kyle Whittingham, Utah coach. Hey, coach, thanks for joining us. How are you?
2: John, how are you?
0: I am well. Uh, that was a lot of fun to watch you guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know if fun's the right word for me, but uh, it was, we enjoyed the outcome.
0: Um, I'll, I'll jump I'll jump right in. give me an idea like look i'm I'm an English literature major. That was like a three act play like watching you guys go back and forth to pick six and then you drive back. I mean, what did that feel like for you?
2: Yeah, probably more like four or five acts. But, uh, yeah, you know, early on, first of all, uh, you know, we came out of the gate pretty good offensively. Two of our first three possessions, I believe, we scored. And, of course, they did the same thing. So, 14 all going at a half. Uh, Took control in the third quarter. You know, we were up 28-14. And had we been able to, you know, put another score on the board, that would have been. Pretty much the nail in the coffin, but uh, to their credit, we couldn't do that, and they came roaring back. and And uh, that pick six was a huge momentum changer uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, I think we answered with a field goal after that, and then uh, of course the big play for us that was damaging was the punt return. You know that mm-hmm. set up the the uh, the go ahead touchdown. and And uh, if I remember correctly, is that right? That's the right sequence yeah. of events, I believe. And uh, you know, as fate would have it. Um, they scored on the first play after the punt return, which worked in our favor, uh, time-wise. You know, yeah. because we we still had like a minute and forty left. I was prepared to burn all the timeouts right then, and you know, in that drive, had they just run the ball a few times, so that would have left us with less time and and less, you know, far less timeouts if if we would have. Uh, Play a little bit of defense but fortunately we didn't play any defense on that snap and they scored and and then uh, the rest is history i mean barnes takes us down the field those two scrambles were huge uh... And uh, Cole Becker, the walk-off field goal, and uh, that was it. I mean, it was a great game. Just you know, it seems like we've had so—not seems like it. We have had so many uh, great games with uh, the Trojans ever since we got in the conference, and and it's been a competitive, intense series. And this is just another one. Like, well, I guess it's the final chapter in uh, in that uh, in that series with them.
0: I I was looking back at your performance in the second half. And you beat them twenty to eighteen the other night in the second half. In the championship game, you beat them thirty to seven. And in in the regular season last year, you beat them twenty two fourteen. You're winning in the second half. Is how much of that is adjustment? You figure out what they're going to do. You have a great staff.
2: We do. I have to agree with that statement. I'm, uh, they make my life very easy. I think we've got uh, three of the best coordinators in the country: uh, Andy Lovell on offense, Morgan Scalley on defense, and Sharif Shaw runs our special teams. And and uh, we are, uh, you know, pretty strong in the second half. I I think uh, a lot of that is credited the way we practice you know we practice very physically and we and we do a lot of conditioning and and uh you know just uh really work hard our our guys have a really good work ethic uh monday through friday and and they're in uh excellent physical condition and and the stamina i think uh you know playing up here at altitude when you go down to lower altitude that really gives you you know the extra energy and you know with the the heavy air and and so uh yeah i think uh been a strong second half team and it certainly has has uh, helped us out in a lot of instances.
0: You made the uh the quip about uh, you know you have a pig farmer at quarterback in the post game. <laughs> Little known fact, I raised pigs as a as a kid. I know how hard that that's hard work, man. And but you you have all these kids you recruit that are they have such a variety of backgrounds. How how much fun is that for you to kind of go out and put together a team that really is kind of a melting pot of America?
2: It's a blast, and we, we pride ourselves on being the most diverse football team in the country. We have almost exactly uh, one third African American, one third Caucasian, and one third Polynesian on our team, and nobody else in the country has that balanced of a blend of backgrounds, at least none that I know of. And then we have eighteen uh, year old freshmen and 25-, 26 year old uh, you know return missionary uh, seniors on our team, and so we've got we've got a broad spectrum uh, you know with our roster in. Many different ways and and uh, it works great we all get along and have a great culture here and and uh, you know something that we we perceive as a strength of ours
0: did you uh, did you raise animals as a kid did you have pets I didn't I did not you know
2: we had a dog now and then uh, you know just off and on but uh, no I wasn't uh, raising pigs or chickens or anything like that
0: you guys had football uh, football crazy in that family (laughs) Um, look you're looking at Oregon on film and I always I see Bucky Irving I see Bo Nicks, I see Jordan James. I see their run game, their pass game, their balance. What do you see?
2: Same thing, exactly the same thing, and and a ton of production. Uh, you know, they're getting well over 500 yards a game, and uh, you know, nearly 50 points a game. And I mean, they're just so productive and so so good at what they do. And it's all uh, Bo Nix-driven. I mean, that guy is a tremendous leader. Uh, he does a great job with that offense, and and uh, just very impressed with that young yeah, man.
0: When you when you attack from a defensive standpoint, just in a general term, you know, when you have a great Q B you usually say, Okay, let's you know, take away their strength. What do you do with Oregon when, when they have that balance?
2: Yeah, tough, tough uh, tough job and, and uh very difficult for defenses to uh be able to figure that out and nobody has yet I guess I mean I mean they uh, you know they score uh, what's the lowest scoring to I think against Washington 33 was probably their lowest total of the year otherwise you know they're scoring a bunch of points and so nobody's really figured that out to this point um, you know Morgan Scally is is uh, outstanding coordinator outstanding strategist and and uh, he's working around the clock to try to figure out a way to slow him down but but uh, you know it's it's hard to do easier said than done
0: Rice Eccles Stadium. You mentioned the altitude. I, you know, I, I always think about the fans there, and it's like a red. I I tell people they say, "What's it like there?" And I said, "It's like being in a blender that's all red. It's just a circular (laughs) blender of red." Um, What is that stadium worth? Do you think as a home field advantage?
2: Oh, it's, it's invaluable. And, you know, point-wise, I couldn't give you, you know, four, five, six points. I don't know how to equate that. But as far as uh, in-game uh, emotion and momentum, uh, and it's not the biggest stadium. We're about 51-5. But uh, when we finished that off a few years ago and, and closed that uh, south end, it really uh Made the atmosphere even that much, uh, you know, stronger for us, and and we got the must, the mighty Utah Student Section, uh, you know, about seven thousand strong, which I think is one of the best student sections in the country, and so it's a it's a great home field advantage for us. Um, get a lot of false starts on the opposing offense because it gets so loud in there, and and our players really feed off of the uh, the emotion in that stadium.
0: I was there years ago on the on the Kalen Clay game where he had that. Oh yeah, that, I, I mean, it just broke my heart for the kid because I know. You know, he's. It was such a you, uplifting moment, and then it turns into a thing that you know he can, he can't escape. And what did you tell him after that? What, what were those conversations like?
2: Well, first of all, it was a teaching moment. I mean, you, you know, you got to correct the error, and and uh, you know tell him exactly you know what what you can't do and why you can't do it and and he's a smart kid he understood his, his error and but he's such a great kid and was such a tremendous player for us and and uh did so many good things that you know it's a shame that uh you know a lot of people that's the the first thing they think of but but uh, you know i think we were gonna go up was it 14 nothing yeah it would have been
0: 14-0 with, and then 7-7 yeah. instead
2: it's, yeah big yes yeah, so that was a, a turnaround but there's you know there's what 150 plays in a game and so that wasn't the, the thing that that did us in and and uh, tried to explain you know make sure he understood that that hey it's you know that was early in the game and we had plenty of opportunity to to uh, you know correct that and get back on track and so so uh, it was uh, unfortunate that it happened, but a uh, great kid and, and did a lot of good things for our program.
0: Did you really practice after that? I heard kids say that they pra- you practiced giving the ball to the official, or is that something you did? Yep. yeah.
2: <laughs> we, we re-practiced it. We, we always have practiced it. <laughs> it became a, a stronger point of emphasis after that, so yes, we did. The All answer right. is yes.
0: Alright, Coach, uh, you, you look like you guys are having fun, I mean, dancing around the field like that. I know the highs are high and the lows are low, but um, I'm savoring this last Pac-12 season because it's like a good book. I don't want to put it down.
2: Exactly, and it's a shame that, uh, you know, the, the conference is going away and and uh, still kind of surreal to me and, and uh, really hasn't uh – you know, hit home, but I'm not a sentimental guy. You know, I, I, I'm pretty good about moving on and and, uh, and embracing change. So, so uh, Big Twelve awaits us next year, and we'll see what happens there.
0: Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Utah is going to be Utah. You know, I I think I think, <laughs> I think that the Big Twelve is going to understand what a headache you've been in the Pac-12 for for opponents. So,
2: well, let's hope so. Yeah, let's hope so. All right,
0: Kyle Whittingham, I will see you at the stadium. I appreciate you giving us your time.
2: Thanks, John. Always good to visit with you.
0: All right, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. There he goes. Kyle Whittingham, Utah football coach. Uh, I find that very interesting that, you know. Uh, and here's the thing. Like, you see coaches will celebrate on the field. They'll celebrate with their teams. They'll go back to the locker room and celebrate. They do all that. And then, you know, uh, it's in an hour and a half, two hours later, they pivot into next week. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time on the weekend, like Saturday night and Sunday morning. Uh, You know, catching up on my text messages. And I was texting with Mario Cristobal, the Miami coach, last weekend uh, on early Sunday morning. I don't think he went to sleep after Miami-Clemson. I think he stayed up all night, you know, A, on the uh, adrenaline rush of beating Clemson, and then B, um, on, hey, i got to get ready for next week. Kyle Whittingham beats USC. And by the way, it's not that USC has a... Utah problem, like I saw national media members say, oh, USC has a Utah problem. They've lost four straight times to Utah. Um, Utah's beating a lot of people four straight times in the Pac-12 conference. They are the two-time defending conference champion. And I keep saying, like, the road to Vegas goes through Salt Lake City until it doesn't. And USC found that out uh, last week. Oregon has got its work cut out for it. The Ducks, a favorite, heading to Rice-Eccles Stadium. Uh, my gut right now tells me that's going to be a very close game. I want you to leave it here. Coming up, our big splash. In the 4 o'clock hour, we got some punch-it audio. Uh, big guests all week long. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State coach on tomorrow's show. Nick Alioti, the former Oregon defensive coordinator on tomorrow's show. Efforting Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, for later in the week. you got the BFT statewide. Leave it here. Love that interview with Kyle Whittingham, Utah's coach. 5 o'clock hour, Bruce Barnum, Portland State football coach, will be with us. He might have the coolest university president in the Big Sky Conference. We'll talk about that, among other things. Uh, uh, as I mentioned, I just want to recap because we had a, a an addition to the guest lineup that happened during the Whittingham interview. Tomorrow, it'll be Jonathan Smith, Oregon State football coach, along with Nick Aliotti the former Oregon defensive coordinator and Pac-12 network analyst. He'll be with us to talk about the games. I always love getting Aliotti's take about this part, about this time of the year, this part of the season. He's seen enough. He knows some stuff. And you're going to want to hear Nick Aliotti on tomorrow's show. Uh, on Thursday, Oregon coach Dan Lanning is now confirmed in the 4 o'clock hour. And on Friday it'll be Kirk Herb Street from ESPN and Amazon and whatever Kirk herb Street is doing these days. And so I find it interesting because I tweeted out I tweet you know the landing thing was fluid and I tweeted out right before the Whittingham interview Whittingham's coming on and Jonathan Smith and and uh, and Herb Street later in the week and I didn't include the landing part of it because it you know it wasn't like solid it wasn't confirmed. and as soon as I tweeted it, you know what happened? Uh, Oregon reached out immediately. and Said, "Hey, uh, Lanning, four o'clock hour, uh, Thursday." I said, "Okay, let me let me edit that tweet." It's kind of like the club, you know. There might there might only be like fifty people inside the club, but if you can create a, a velvet rope situation and a line, suddenly there's a demand. To get into the club. I think that's what happened with that tweet, Stephen. And now it'll be Dan Lanning on Thursday. Add him to the lineup.
1: You got to, you know, put a little pressure on people sometimes, John. And uh, you did a good job of doing that. Because, I mean, now that you had Lanning, I mean, the lineup was already great for the week. But now you had Lanning to it. It's just like, man, this this week of interviews let's is gonna going to be great. Yeah, I mean, who else can we pressure into? Greg
0: Sankey. I want Sankey on Friday. So let's start calling I... people
1: out. What are we doing here?
0: <laughs> Why is Greg Sankey not on the show on Friday? Um, all right, let's... um. Let's. There's something that Whittingham said late in the interview. That I wanna. I wanna seize on. You know. I. I am turning the pages on this Pac-12's final football season slowly. I'm savoring it. I had mentioned, I think, weeks and weeks ago, that it's like watching. You know, the end of Breaking Bad or the end of Sopranos. You know, when they say this is going to be the last season, and it'll be the series finale that will ultimately happen in the last season, Game of Thrones, right? Remember, we were all watching it. We were all into it, Breaking Bad, Lost. I don't care what your show is. Seinfeld, if we reach back into the past, whatever that show was that you just absolutely loved and you didn't want to ever end, Pac-12 football season's doing that. And there's a joy in this season because it's so good. Like, the teams are good. The games have been great. It's been compelling theater. No greater uh, evidence of the fact that this conference has got real depth to it than watching Arizona State take Washington to the mattresses in, in in Husky Stadium last Saturday night and watch that be a really good game down to the wire. It just shows you the gap between the team that's sitting in first place and the team that's sitting at the bo- in the basement. The gap is narrower than ever. Narrower than the twenty years that I've been here covering this conference, and maybe even long before that, watching this conference, there were always some easy outs in the Pac-12. There, there aren't any easy outs right now. Stanford comes back from a twenty-nine nothing halftime deficit and beats Colorado a couple weekends ago. You know, Arizona State pushes Washington to the extreme. You have, uh, you know, games coming up this weekend that people are looking past, like. USC and Cal, and I'm going. Okay, not so fast. Like that's not an easy out. If you don't come to play, you find yourself in a dogfight, even if you are one of the better teams. So that that's happening. But I, I was, you know, I'm kind of lamenting how slowly I'm turning the pages because once the season started, I don't know what your experience has been, but it feels like it's moving too fast. I want the football season to slow down just a little bit. Let us savor it just a little more. And, and the fact that, you know, we're looking at, like, the next month of games just being, like, uh, you know, these games that are just going to be flying at us, Utah playing Washington, USC playing Oregon, Washington playing USC, Oregon State playing Washington. There's all these great games that are going to be flying at us on a regular basis. I just want to savor it just a little bit. But Whittingham says you know he's while well, he's lamenting the end of the Pac-12 season as we know it or the Pac-12 conference as we know it he's also got his eyes on the horizon and he is looking forward to whatever awaits them in the Big 12 now i say what awaits them in the Big 12 is a whole bunch of success like i don't think utah's going to stop winning and I don't, and I in fact think Utah is going to be more dominant in the Big 12 than it was in the Pac 12 because there is no Oregon. There is no Washington. There is no USC. There is no UCLA in the Big 12. I think Colorado and Utah are going to be among the big winners in going to the Big 12. And I think Kenny Dillingham in Arizona State's going to be a winner too. I think the Pac 12 schools that are going into the Big 12, those four corner schools going in, I think those schools are going to dominate. Steven, am I crazy? Yes,
1: I think you're a little crazy. Um, I, I think this has been a—it's a great, great season for the Pac-12, right? Like this is the maybe the best season the Pac-12 has ever had. But I think there's a lot of things that have contributed to it. So I don't think that just because this Pac-12 season been so good that these teams going to the Big Twelve is just going to go and dominate the Big Twelve because the Big Twelve—I mean, yes, they are losing their two best teams in Texas and Oklahoma. But they still have solid programs that are very good, and I, so I just, you know, I could see maybe Utah going in and winning the conference in the first season, but that's probably about it. I, I and I but don't. know. Don't the, you
0: think Colorado's going to be better in the Big Twelve than they would if had they stayed in the Pac Twelve? I do like,
1: because I just think I think the Big Twelve is not as good as the Pac Twelve was, but I also think it's just the Pac Twelve all things aligned this season, and the Pac Twelve has been awesome this season. I don't know how much that was really going to continue every single season going forward. So. Yeah, I think Colorado. I think they fit more with the Big Twelve as well stylistically. But yeah, I don't. I don't expect them to go in and you know dominate. I think. I think if they were in there this season, they'd be about the same.
0: Now, I think Colorado in the Big Twelve conference is going to have way better trajectory. I guess maybe we're talking about two different things. But I'm not saying like this season's Colorado team. But I'm saying what Colorado could be and what Coach like how, how will quick have how quickly then. can Colorado win a Big Twelve title? I think they could win. They could compete. I, th- I still think Utah is going to be in their way, but I think they can compete at the top of that conference in season three, in two years from now. I don't think if they had stayed in the Pac-12, I don't think Colorado could ever have competed with Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA, and Utah in their way. They're looking at being like the third or fourth best team in good years, and Oregon State, too. Like, I just – I think there's, there was more traffic in front of Colorado have they stayed in the Pac-12 versus going to the Big 12 and where I think they're going to, you know, I think they're going to clean up playing Kansas and Kansas State and Oklahoma State and Baylor, BYU, Central Florida, Cincinnati. I mean, that's – the
1: We interrupt this
0: broadcast with a special announcement from the Baltimore. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but –